My friends, to this fine radio program on the podcast, it is the <laughs> Smoking and Toasting Show. It's show number 107. We are talking craft beer, we're talking fine spirits, we're talking hand-rolled cigars, and we are brought to you by our good friends and the excellent people who do excellent work and make amazing food at B&B Butchers and Restaurant. They are in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, Texas, and at 1814 Washington Ave in uh, Houston, which is our hometown and where the show originates from. And I actually just got off the phone with our boy Jeremiah Butler at uh, B&B, and he was just giving me a rundown on the whiskey sniff, uh, where some of the things are. I'm telling you. What is you, the newest on that? I can't I'm wait to hear I'm telling you the whiskey sniff is going to be epic. It's going to be absolutely I'm loving awesome. it already. So uh, so welcome to the show. Uh, we have, by the way, we'll get back to the sniff in just a second, uh, whiskey blogger Wade Woodard is here. And uh, Wade, welcome to the show. Thanks. It is so nice to have you. I, for some reason, we don't seem to have Wade's mic uh, uh, I bet that's it right there. Say say hi again. Okay. I'm, there there you are. Yep. I'm here. Hi. I'm here. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so really excited to have Wade here. Uh, I met Wade at uh, a whiskey event. I think it was the Fistful of Bourbon event. Uh, introduced to him by our good friend Chris Hart, who does the Whiskey Neat podcast, which you've been on uh, Chris's show. Been on show, a few times. And we love Chris's show. We're big fans and big, even bigger fans of Chris. We just, you know, he's he's just one of our guys. Totally. And uh, so, uh, But at the same time, he's been on enough. So you needed some That's new, new right. blood. Fresh, so. fresh blood. That's absolutely right. And so, Wade, uh, welcome. I want to talk about your blog and all the things that you have going on. And, of course, we want to talk whiskey. Not that, you know, I mean, it'll be a stretch for us to talk whiskey today. But uh, I'm sure we can manage. Yeah, I, you know, I love this whole, uh, the, this this society of whiskey and, and all. Yeah. This is beautiful. Because I actually ran into Wade. Hadn't met him before. Ran into him the other night at the World of Whiskey's event. Uh, so like just I was talking with one person. They did introduced you realize me he was the guy that was going to be no, on the show? No, he looked at me and he said, hey, I'm going to be on your show next week. I was like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. I don't even know if I'm going to be on the show. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but well, that, yeah, so I just ran into him. That was beautiful. Well, it's a... Uh, uh, and I do want you to tell us about Whiskeys of the World. You were there. And, I was. Uh, and so you can give us a report on that. But let's talk Whiskey Sniff for just a second because it's getting close. It is... Whiskey Sniff is on the 10th of October. It's at and That's a Wednesday night. It's at mm-hmm. B&B Butchers and Restaurant in their uh, area upstairs where we can smoke to our heart's content because it's Beautiful open. Beautiful patio. But it's covered, yeah, it's but it's open, patio. so it's it's great. It's a wonderful place. And the weather is supposed to be perfect, at least according to the farmer's old farmer's almanac. Mm-hmm. And as we know, they're always right. Absolutely. Just like Wikipedia. Yes. Always accurate. Yes, yes. Uh, but, uh, but it's going to be great. So here's what happens. The tickets are on sale now for this. you got to go to Eventbrite. And uh, purchase your tickets. And they are, my understanding from my conversation with Jeremiah, they are selling fast. So this will likely sell out before the event. So you need to get your tickets in advance. So uh, tickets are $125 
for that, you're going to get a bag of cigars when you walk in. Um, and the first 50 tickets purchased uh, <laughs> will actually be getting a bonus cigar from E.P. Carrillo that has not been uh, released to the, the general public inch yet. Ringmaster. What a beautiful, uh, be smoky, so wonderful device that gonna is. It's going to be so good. And we're going to have um, uh, cigars in the bag from Oliva. We'll have cigars in the bag from Alec Bradley. And we will have cigars in the bag from uh, our friends at B&B who have their own cigar, uh, their own version of the Houstonian, uh, which they do in conjunction with Stogies. That's pretty uh, awesome. Our friends at Stogies will be there. Uh, and then there will be table after table after table with whiskeys with the tops open. And Ian, explain to us how the whiskey sniff works. Sniff whiskey. Okay, no, well, I just wanted more it to than be, that. I know, yeah. I just wanted it to be awkward for a second. Um, so <laughs> well, you succeeded. Thank you. <laughs> that was my NPR answer. Sniff whiskey. Um, so no, <laughs> this is this is a um, this is uh, uh, something that I've been doing for years. Where I, I light a cigar, I uh, get about a half inch or three quarters of an inch into my cigar, get that flavor in my palate really well. Um, so that I'm really tasting the cigar, and then I like to go in and in my whiskey collection, I like to pop the tops on the bottles and smell. Mm-hmm. And you'll always find one that goes really well with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a, it's a guaranteed way to make sure that your whiskey and your cigar are going to go well together. It's a great pairing uh, mm-hmm. device. And it's interesting because after you have that whiskey that you smell goes with it and you smoke your cigar, you go in for another whiskey. Now you have those flavors on your palate along with the cigar. And it, it, it can evolve and change mm-hmm. into, okay, maybe something else smells better this time or whatever. And you end up with all these flavors, this whole flavor experience that goes on. And it's all driven by the nose. So we're going to have more whiskeys there for you to choose Lots. from as you sniff than you can possibly uh, have an no, opportunity you're, you're to You're going to actually have to pick and choose. Yes, that's right. Um, some things that have... Uh, now wait, do you get to drink these whiskeys yes. too? Yes. Okay. No, you just don't get to sniff them. Right. No, once yes. you, oh, once yeah. you sniff, you decide what you want and that's what and you're... And then, then you're drink glad. that. So when you get your bag, everybody will have one of the little uh, Glen Cairns, one of these uh, babies right here and then uh, you'll take that around to the tables as you sniff and you'll go, okay, I've made my selection. They'll pour, you'll, you'll smoke, and then you'll pretend this is what will happen, I guarantee you. Well, that was good, but I don't know if it was the best pairing. That's so right. you'll pretend that something else might work better, and you'll go sniff again and, and, uh, and you know, have it's, an opportunity. It's really all about letting your, letting your senses really drive the pairing. And what's wonderful about this is that you don't have to be a whiskey or cigar expert nope. to do this and really be you able to You don't need a sommelier to tell you what's going right. on. It's really great for novices who are just getting into the whole idea of pairing because you'll be able to come and, you know, try this whole sensory experience in a way that... Unless you have the kind of whiskey collection that Ian has, you would never be able to do at home. <laughs> I wish I had the kind of whiskey. Yeah, but. well. <laughs> so uh, a few things have been added, and stuff keeps getting added all the time. We are going to have the Lafroy Kerkris uh, there. Are you familiar? Karch. Oh, thank you. Uh, I, I think he has a bottle right over there. Uh, this is the 2014. Uh, well, this will be available at the Not Smith. the 2014. This one's different. Okay. Yeah, they're different every year. This yeah. one's the 2014. This is... Uh, I brought this today for fun. But anyway, go ahead. All right, That's well, going to be yeah, amazing, by the way. I tried it at Whirls of Whiskey. I'll tell uh, you about it. There's a limited Knob Creek rye barrel proof mm. uh, that's going to be available that I'm guessing a lot of people have not had an opportunity to try. Uh, there'll be a number of different Japanese whiskeys. We're locking down which ones of those uh, right now, but we'll have a number of those. Uh, Heaven Hill, Elijah Craig, of 
course. Uh, there'll be Maker's Mark, uh, including the uh, um, the Maker's 64. Is it 64 or 46? 46. 46. Thank 46. you. 46. See, I always get, I'm so dyslexic with those numbers, um, uh, which, which I really enjoy. Uh, there's going to be a brandy there that Jeremiah cannot stop talking about. And okay. Now, he, at that table, we need to have a boombox playing that song brandy the whole entire time <laughs> that would be pretty epic wouldn't it uh there will be a band there maybe we can talk uh, or a musician uh, playing music maybe <laughs> we, we can talk we, we'll get john just, to do it can you just do brandy yeah, john the whole Curry's time? gonna play there i actually talked to him the other day and he's got that night free so uh looks like it's gonna be great mm-hmm. um the, anyway this brandy is a sacred bond bottled in bond uh brandy and it is i mean like i said i've tasted it and was blown away by it because we had some at the hundredth show, mm-hmm. uh, but Jeremiah will not stop talking about it. It's from Heaven Hill, the same yes. people that do Elijah Craig. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lovely it's brandy, so and, and for the price too, it's very reasonably. Uh, and and it's yeah, it's it's going to be terrific. Four Roses will be there with their standard, their single barrel, and a single release of some sort that I'm not familiar with, but I'm looking forward to uh, to trying. We're going to have, and I'm just mentioning some of the new stuff. We're mm-hmm. of course going to have uh, Balvenie and Glenfiddich and and like so many of Which the is so exciting, you know, historic uh, Scotch and and uh, and bourbon brands will be represented. And um, Jason Valentine from Yellow Rose Distilling is supposed to be. I don't have it in my hands yet, but he's supposed to be dropping off to me some kind of super double secret ultra limited release that there's only like a handful of bottles on that you'll never be able to find at retail super secret music queued up for yeah that. <laughs> that would be good wouldn't dun, it dun, yeah dun, so dun. That, and, and i'm just mentioning a few this is just a little bit of what's going to be there food from b&b of course being bacon. passed around the whole time plenty of bacon uh music uh freebies in your in your gift bag so it's going to be let's let me put it this way going to be well worth the ticket price because you'll oh, yeah. you'll be uh you'll be going home a happy camper mm-hmm. so we are we are if looking you've ever gone out on a night where you just go hmm, i want to taste a few scotches mm-hmm. you're already above that price point. oh well above yeah. the price point yeah and yeah. you'll be able to taste and this is what i love because this is i'm one of those guys that i love it when everybody at the table at dinner orders something different so i can try you yeah. know little bites of their stuff and that's the way i am with whiskey too so this is this is going to be a really well, epic experience. so at events like that you know what i end up doing a lot of times i actually ask them for a shorter pour uh, because I actually want to taste more you want to things. Taste more. Right. I totally agree. So, and it's wonderful to you know drink lots of whiskey. That's fun. But there's a point where you first off you burn your tongue. You're not really tasting it anymore. And that way you just go to Malort. And then second <laughs> off, <laughs> you had to work it in, didn't you? <laughs> I had to bring it in every episode. Uh, and then secondly, and then second off, uh, you know you just get to experience so many different things that way. Right. Well, I, I would I would encourage you to be there, folks. If only. For the chance to hear Ian say, because this is a rare thing, I'd like a shorter pour. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's a little strange. It's, it's not it's something. It's too hard for you to say it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, wait. Only, only so much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I so, won't say that about any, by the way. Yeah, I know you won't. I know you won't. I know you too well. <laughs> so, uh, so it's it's been a crazy week. I just got back from uh, a, a quick trip to uh, Orlando, uh, doing some business out there. Got a chance to. Uh, uh, taste a, a, and I, I should have taken notes, but I, it, the thing was crazy. But I did get a chance to taste an IPA there that was a local brew that was just terrific. So I'm trying to track back down now to get the mm-hmm. name and information. Uh, so, but that was good. But uh, uh, tell me about your weekend. Did you uh, smoke anything interesting this week? I did actually. I had a friend of mine lay a cigar on me. He's like, try this. I said, okay. So uh, it was a uh, Papas Fritas, Drew Estate. Oh, really? Papas Fritas. And this is an interesting cigar. 
Um, so was the band Papa's Fetus. <laughs> right. They were an interesting band. <laughs> so uh, so I decided not to look it up before I tried it, okay? Uh, my initial nose on this was um, it was dark and earthy flavors. Uh, uh, the initial, uh, the, the pre-light sniff was very dark, earthy, some pepper spice kind of things going on. It wasn't a lot of anything. It was a bunch of little things. So there was mm-hmm. some complexity going on to it. So I was pretty curious. Um, and then the uh, pre-light draw had more of the same with almost a little bit of caramel kind of flavors oh. to it, or uh, maybe even a little nuttiness going on in it. On the pre-light, that's pretty on good. On the pre-light, right. Um, I lit it up. It was instant pepper in my face. And that was okay, because it was, it was still good, yeah. but it was a little too peppery when I first lit it. Did I it got, calm down, though? Yeah, it calmed down. After about a half an inch, it calmed down and um, turned into a reasonably complex smoke. And... Um, and I was smoking through, and I thought, you know, this is a pretty good cigar. It's not refined tasting. It has a lot of flavors going on. It has a lot of things going on, but it doesn't taste really refined. So about halfway through this cigar, where the flavors had blended a bit, I was getting some toast, and that caramel was kind of sneaking around in the background. There's a sweetness to it. Maybe that's what I'm picking up on mm-hmm. it. Um, some pepperiness, which was still there, but wasn't as you know blasting the face as the beginning. I was enjoying the cigar. I had it with a uh, with an East Cider spiced cider, by the way, oh, which, nice. was, which was quite interesting to go with it. Um, and so about halfway through, I was dying of curiosity, so I looked up the cigar. Come to find out, this is a Drew Estate cigar that's uh, basically made from the cutoffs from their Liga Privada line. So this is a, is this a short and medium filler cigar? Yeah. Wow, I did not realize that. I was blown away by how good it was for being cutoffs. Um, because a lot of times with that, you just don't get... I, the blend just isn't as good, right? You know? And and I wouldn't put it up there with Liga Pravada by any means, okay? Right. But but it also doesn't cost. As what far as Liga I can Pravada tell, it's about a five dollar stick, right? Or you know five to five to six dollar stick. So I smoked this thing pretty much down to the end. The flavor loaded up a little bit. It got more peppery towards the end, which was still okay because it was a pleasant pepper flavor. Um, the complexity was still there all the way through the end. It's a good ride for a five dollar stick. I give it a five straight up. That's a good yeah. smoke. The other thing I saw is it comes in tins. You can buy a tin. I think it's like five of them in a tin, which is super handy if you're just yes. going to walk about or you know you want to take cigars with you. I Go love in a backpack or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that if you're traveling, uh, even if it's just you know going around. Hmm, maybe I'm going to put some in my pocket because I might land somewhere where I can smoke a cigar. That's a great cigar for that kind of thing. That's great. It's the right price uh, point. It's a good enough flavor to share it around. I was pretty happy with it. Everybody's humidor needs some good $5 cigars. Right, right. Because there are times when you just like, you know, it isn't time to smoke a more expensive cigar. Right. But you still need something that's going to be good. So it's almost know? a lawnmower. But it was, it was more complex maybe than you think. Yeah, maybe a little bit better than a lawnmower. I love it. Yeah. Well, I went the opposite end of the scale this week. Um, I had had this one resting in my humidor for a while. Uh, I was in the mood to celebrate one night last week, so I decided, okay, I'm going for it. Because one of the things I've learned is that I hold on to too many, like when I get a really great cigar, you'll give me a Cuban or, you know, somebody gives you something amazing or you actually go to the uh, store and really invest in something. And then they kind of sit there because you go, oh, I'm waiting for a special occasion. Well, you you, you got to create your special occasion. Yeah, you got to create your own so special So I had a particularly, particularly good phone call uh, last week, and I was like, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to choose this as a celebrate uh, celebration day. So I went into my humidor, and I had resting in there a Pappy Van Winkle Tradition Toro. Now, I still have one of those. Yeah. I'm waiting for a special occasion. Uh, okay, we'll I'm see. I'm sorry, go ahead. You know, you know what? <laughs> my birthday is this week. Just, just mentioning special occasions pop up all the time. Noted. 
Yeah, I'm not asking you to give me the cigar. I'm saying you might want to smoke <laughs> it special on my occasion. birthday. All it's right, a special right. occasion. Yeah, challenge accepted. So the Drew Estate folks. Interesting that we both uh, picked Drew Estate this week. Uh, the Drew Estate folks invited uh, Willie Herrera, the blender, in for a two-day blending audition a while back. He not only passed, but he is now the master blender at Drew Estate, and the result of his audition was the Pappy Van Winkle cigar, which mm. also wound up being uh, sort of cross-promoted, obviously, with Pappy Van Winkle, the whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, it has an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, an Indonesian binder, and filler from the D- Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. It's a really beautiful cigar. Uh, pre-light was rich and earthy. It lit easily, burned in a straight line the whole time. I just love when I get a cigar that is this well-constructed, mm-hmm. and it really, really was. Uh, there were flavors of espressos, some sweetness and some earth. There was a definite white pepper presence. It wasn't overpowering like what you were mentioning uh, in the first smoke of the uh, of the uh, uh, Papas Fritas, but but it was definitely there. It was quite a smoke, nice and complex. Uh, it smoked slow, which was really perfect for when you are going for a more expensive cigar. You kind of hate sometimes they burn too fast and and then the experience is over, right? Right. Uh, But it did put out a big, copious quantity of wonderful white smoke. I love that. uh, Which was just great. Uh, It definitely satisfied my need to celebrate. Okay, it's an $18 to $20 cigar. I don't buy a lot of $18 to $20 cigars. It's pretty pricey. Mm -hmm. Uh, So price to quality, I'd give it a solid five. It's for celebrations only. But it lived up to its name. I didn't feel like I overspent for it. Uh, And price to quality, Wade, the way we do that on the show is that on a scale of 1 to 10, a 5 means you got exactly what you paid for. If something gets higher than a five, it means wow, this is an even better if it value. Punches above its weight, right? It punches above yeah. its weight, and yeah. you know, one of the highest, oddly, one of the highest rated price to quality cigars we've had on the show was when Ian had a Black and Mild. Uh, it's not that it's one of the best cigars he's ever smoked, but it was eighty nine cents. And Chris was on the show. Yeah. The look on his face was priceless. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of whiskeys that way, too, yeah, that right. punch well above their weight. Right, and that's one of the things we definitely want to talk about. In fact, I actually have a list. I was going to see uh, what you thought of this. Uh, the folks at Liquor.com, who put out some great articles, uh, published a list recently of the best bourbons for less than $50. Uh, so I thought one of the things I want to do today is is uh, go over that list and have you weigh in and okay. uh, tell us what you think of these, uh, assuming that they're ones that you've tried. So a lot to do on the show. We want to talk whiskey with, uh, with Wade, and we want to get to tasting here very quickly, because you brought not only some whiskeys, Ian and I have brought some whiskeys. Oh, yeah. You brought a couple of beers I see, including one that doesn't have a label. Which always piques my interest, uh, and so it's it's kind of like kind of like a white label vinyl. If you're a DJ, it's like what's that? You know. Uh, so we'll get to that uh, coming up in our next segment. You are listening to Smoking and Toasting. We're brought to you by B and B Butchers, and we will be right back. And we went way over. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it happens. And, and we are recording live Facebook. Yeah. This is still going. Yeah. So if you're saving in between segments. It's Say what you mean. Yeah. By the way, sorry. Oh, I brought you one, Karen. Yeah, I want to make sure we had one. Oh, perfect. I brought a six pack of them. Oh, <laughs> Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. Now uh, we are on show number one hundred and seven, uh, which is. Uh, 
about 106 more than we should ever have been allowed to do. I'll just uh, I'll just put it that way. Look what you've let us do. Uh, yeah, it's your fault, people. You could have just stopped listening altogether and stopped watching altogether, and we'd have you know we'd have had to give you it. You gotta up wonder because it's been growing. The shares have been growing. Everything else mm-hmm. has been growing. You gotta wonder if it's the spoiled milk thing or if they actually like us. You know what it is? <laughs> it's that we're one of the only shows that regularly talks about Malort. I think that's it. Because there is a Malort fan base out there. You got a big fan uh, yeah. base in Chicago? Yes, like, That's we where do. it's from, right? Yeah. That's where it's popular. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, there's a big fan base out there of Malort drinkers, and I am not one of them. Uh, I, will, I will freely so, uh, freely admit it. I've <laughs> tried it a few times. My friends always say, it's really not that bad. Yes? Yes, it is. No, it is. It is. <laughs> Well, I, I, I sprung my lord on him, and he'd never had it before, had no idea what it was, and I brought it in the show and just had him do a taste without telling him anything about it. Yeah, and then he just sat there looking at me, waiting for my facial expression. <laughs> it was beautiful. And I remember, you know, I had that moment, you know, generally I'll just say whatever I think about stuff, but I had that moment where I thought, is this some, like, real amazing thing and I just don't get it like am I going to sound like an idiot when I go this is terrible you know but uh, fortunately Ian broke out into a laugh and I was able to go okay something's going on <laughs> I here couldn't hold a straight yeah. face. <laughs> so uh, but it was quite a show and it has it has however created some trust issues now he thinks yes, I'm always jacking with yes me. It, he is in fact always jacking with me so <laughs> um, so uh, Wade Wood is our uh, special guest Wade uh, in uh, does a number of different things but one of the things that i find most fascinating is his whiskey blog which is called tater talk so wade for those of us who don't know what does that mean why tater talk uh the whiskey blog is tater-talk.com yep and i started that at the beginning of the year uh if you go there looking for whiskey reviews and notes you're not going to find that i more talk about truth and labeling and transparency and industry issues um, is what I more talk about. But the whole whiskey tater thing came about probably about five years ago. Whiskey has boomed in popularity over the past Big five time. years. And Big there's time. a ton of new people that are drinking whiskey. And they jumped this first and feet first into this hobby. And it's like collecting baseball cards to them, I think. And they <laughs> go and buy some silly products and they just start doing a little, some silly things. And not me, but another guy kind of coined the term for that is oh that guy's a whiskey tater and eventually there was a list of whiskey tater reasons that kind of got you've, developed this list is on your website too it's yeah it's linked to my website i guess i maintained the list but i've had <laughs> input from a lot of other people i think now there's about 70 different reasons so uh, on the first <laughs> segment you kind of mentioned one that's on the list so, yeah so you might be a whiskey tater i might one, be one of the reasons is speaking of pappy own any pappy and company merchandise Oh, well, unless Pappy is so hyped up. Yes. Okay. So, so I will say, unless the cigar counts, no, I don't have any Pappy merchandise. I have merchandise from a few other whiskey companies, but no, no. How about you? In any Pappy merchandise? Pappy backpack, you know, anything like that? I have a Jack Daniels guitar strap that I found. Uh, I don't think that counts against you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, you're, you're absolutely right. Pappy is one of those brands that is, you know, endlessly hyped and probably i'll just say ridiculously overpriced yeah on your value scale one to right. five it definitely is under its is weight under its Me, five. Yeah. it would be a three so does now take price out of the equation do you think it's good yes it is good good whiskey it's good uh, whiskey. Okay. i mean basically as you might know 
it's contract distilled at Buffalo Trace, which mm-hmm. makes the Weller weeded bourbon. Mm-hmm. So these days it's basically Weller, but it's Julian Van Winkle's involved, and he hand-selects barrels that fit his profile. And he's got a very good palate, and he knows where to pull from in the different rickhouses to create a profile that's a little bit different than the standard Weller. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's good whiskey, but it's nowhere worth the, the, the hype, price, and especially the, sec- the, the secondary prices that it sells for. It's, so, I will say, Buffalo Trace, just their standard whiskey, I would put that above a five on the price to quality. Buffalo Trace, Buffalo yeah. Trace, their, their flagship product, yeah, definitely. it's fantastic, and it's really inexpensive. Now, that being said, the, the Pappy's delicious, it's just not worth Especially what you said, the secondary price is crazy. Yeah, you know, and how can you even get it at the, you know, at the primary, primary price? price. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like you can just walk into the liquor uh-uh. store and buy it. You know, so. Well, I will tell you, I kind of got into this hobby in the early two thousands, and with a group I was in, we would go back to Kentucky and for the bourbon festivals, and they weren't very well attended back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julian Van Winkle would come hang out with my group at oh. night and bring bottles of the stuff. His whiskey sat on the shelf. No one wanted it because no one bought a $45 bottle of whiskey back then. Right. If you were over $25 on a bourbon, you were considered crazy Way expensive. too pricey. Yeah, yeah. So it, Boy, so how it's times changed. have changed. Yes, yes. it's totally changed. Well, but. you know, on the, on the positive side, there's so much more to sample and try. Yeah. And there's so many, um, so many distilleries, I think, trying new things and new methods and new, you know, ways to age it and, and, and all of that. So I think there's... There's positives there, but yeah, it's a, it's kind of like cigars. I have a I have a sign in my uh, house uh, hanging above one of the doors that is you know from one of those you know antique shop type places mm-hmm. where I found it, and it, it says cigars five cents. You Love know that th- that was a pretty good day too. There are no more five cent cigars. <laughs> you know? No, I love how you, like you mentioned how popular it, it's become over the last few years. Um, so a couple results from that. There's a lot of bad whiskeys out there, ones that just aren't that good people are trying to sell but there's these jewels in the rough that are the ones that you really look for um and especially at a good price point and i think like buffalo trace is just one of those beautiful things you yes know, eagle rare is another one like that i find at that price point those are great whiskeys now wade it, the to if you're considered a whiskey tater is that kind of like a a sort of endearing sort of put yes. down is, no, that, I mean, is that what it is one of the reasons on the list, the last reason, yeah, is you're a whiskey tater if you maintain a list of over 70 reasons why people are whiskey okay, taters. So, <laughs> so definitely, I'm so a whiskey a, tater. So you're a tater as well. And yes. I can go through this list, and there's probably been five or six of them that I can cross <laughs> off. So, yeah, yeah. If it's supposed to be funny. Some people take it. Get Take it way to too it, seriously, yeah. but it, it's not meant to be that way. Well, so. yeah, I've I've been called worse things, <laughs> right. I'm sure, than a whiskey tater. Um, so, what made you start doing a blog back before whiskey exploded and was the, you know, was the hot thing that it is necessarily now? Really, and this is going to tie into my involvement with the Texas Whiskey Association. We'll talk about in a minute. Uh, I'm about, excited about that. About six years ago, when. The craft distilleries started putting out some real products into mm-hmm. the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other distilleries, smaller distilleries, were just buying bulk product and bottling it and calling it theirs. Calling it theirs, sure. And I kind of got involved in the industry then and said, hey, this isn't right. You know, this is not fair. And I started doing some little digging in the, the federal laws. And I found a law, it's 27 CFR 5.36D. 
Okay, okay you're, of course. You're yeah. a whiskey tater if you know what number that. <laughs> Not yes. to be confused <laughs> with .56 C. Correct, yes. Well, anyway, this law basically said the state of actual distillation had to be on the label of these products. So mm. they shouldn't be able to get away with this. Unfortunately, our federal government, the people that approve these labels are overworked. and Of course. So these companies were getting away with it. So as a kind of consumer <laughs> advocate, I started taking the position of calling out these people that were not being not being quite as as truthful as they should right. with their marketing and, and so that led to a uh, speaking at a seminar at tells of the cocktail a big industry mm-hmm. event that's held once a year in in new orleans and uh there's a popular whiskey writer named fred minnick mm-hmm. and he kept suggesting wade you got so much to say you should just start your own blog so I finally did it at the beginning there, of That's this year, really so. interesting. So now I noticed in the information on your uh, on your blog that apparently at least one of these you know little uh, exposés that you did has made you persona non grata at uh, at at least one uh, distillery and uh, one whiskey company. Uh, or I think the blog says public enemy number one. Oh. I don't know how much you're willing to talk about, but tell us a little bit about it. It's a local distillery too, the one that you've already mentioned earlier in the show. Okay, well, um, we uh, it, so was the was the issue then about the way that the distillery was describing their products in the packaging? Was that what it was yeah, about? Basically, this local distillery came out with a rye whiskey, and the label that they turned into the federal government said it was distilled in Indiana, which there's a plant a distillery up there called MGP that makes this rye that they sell to a lot of people that contract bottle it i mean uh, Mm -hmm. so i knew where the whiskey was from and he had originally followed the proper law but when he released the product i went to the launch of it at specs and talked to the gentleman and he said well it wasn't on the bottle then i said why is it not on the bottle and he said basically i decided if i put where it's actually from consumers wouldn't buy it so i left it off and at that point, I, whenever I saw any articles about that whiskey, I would point out what the truth of the matter was. Oh, I see. And so eventually, I saw him again, and uh, he refused to shake my hand and told me that I was never welcome again You're at not his welcome distillery. In his place. So, yeah, okay. so that's how that story came about. So. Interesting. Well, <laughs> but I'm you... sure there are a few other uh, distilleries out there that uh, know my name anyhow. Well, I noticed <laughs> one of the more recent posts on your blog was about Maker's Mark. Right. And it was about the fact that they used the word only in may, on their bottle in perhaps a way that wasn't completely accurate. Tell us about that. Right. They had on their label, and I guess it's been there a long time, and I like Maker's Mark. I think it's mm-hmm. you know very solid whiskey, easy to drink. Um, but it said it was America's only handmade bourbon. And handmade is a term that... <laughs> Fairly no, loose. Yeah, it's yeah. loose, right? And there's hands involved in this process. But to say that they were the only ones doing it and no other distillery across the country was, was making handmade. handmade bourbon, to me, just kind of struck me as wrong. So I was going to write a blog post about it, and first thing I did is reached out to the PR department of Maker's Park and said, hey, I'm going to comment about this. Would you like to have – Would you, you like to, you, you to, like chime to in? be on yeah. record on this? Sure, right. <laughs> and, and to my surprise, they came back and said, uh, well, we kind of realized you were right, and we've already made the change, and we have taken that only off. Taking the word. So it's still hand um, – Still handmade. Made. Never mass-produced. <clears throat> okay. 
That's kind of marketing all fluff, correct, but, but yeah. it's all correct. Sure. But now they're no longer trying to say only. Now, I haven't seen any of those bottles make it in the marketplace, so I've, I've got a feeling that they just must have just Maybe made just, the change. Yeah, released them. But anyways, I made the blog post about it. But in a lot of ways, I very much appreciate that they were realizing that they needed to change and change, <laughs> made the change. So I give them credit for that. You brought some whiskey with you. Uh, is there anything you would uh, like to sample? What, what should we What should we do? Uh brought a lot of different things with me. Are you a wild turkey fan at all? I have enjoyed some wild turkey that I think Ian has brought on the show. Didn't you bring some wild turkey that was pretty fantastic? Or was it Chris? No, I brought their uh, single barrel. That's what it was. That was good. Well, let's try let's try this one. This one, I opened this one up. It's a wild turkey American spirit. So we'll show that to the it was right here. came turkey. out probably around 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. And it was a 15-year-old bourbon. Um pretty special really really nice stuff now what one about, of my favorite releases is, of wild turkey you don't I, I i didn't think at least when i first started getting into whiskeys i didn't think of wild turkey as being a brand that would be a really special uh kind of brand what do you think of just their sort of standard wild turkey is it uh punches way above its value yeah in my opinion Interesting. They're, they're, the standard wild turkey 101 mm-hmm uh, is a bottle I always keep in my shelf. Very interesting. So uh, you would almost think that it's just not that, um, y- I don't know, you would think of it as almost like a more mainstream brand in a way that, that where you would say, yeah, it's, it's, it's not anything special. But you're saying, you're saying that it actually is, that, it, that, it's, that it's worthwhile. And, and you said punches above its, its price. Yeah, I mean, it hits the typical bourbon profile that I'm looking for in a, mm-hmm. in a bourbon. It's vanilla, it's caramely. It's got some age on it. It's not just a minimum four-year-old whiskey on the uh, the Wild Turkey 101. And it's got a nice proof, 101. So it's not... Right, right. A lot of whiskeys are bottled at 80 proof. At 80, on the, sure. On the introductory level bottles, mm-hmm. you tend to see 80 proof. And I like my whiskeys like 100 to 110 is typically my preferred proof. So tell us about this one. This is a, this is a cut above, right? Yeah, this is... A, they've, they've released over the years some once a year type special releases mm-hmm. uh, and this is like i said one that came out of like 2004 2005 that was a a 15 year old ian thoughts i want to put this on bacon this is like <laughs> mapley and it is very mapley isn't it's it very mapley mm. um it's very rich and and uh, i get toffee says, in there too mm-hmm. i have i have funny uh yeah toffee definitely i have funny memories of wild turkey because for years uh when my dad was alive Every uh, Christmas, Christmas Eve, all the guys would end up in the garage hanging out. We'd smoke cigars and and drink wild turkey and whatever, and drink wild turkey for the entire evening. And then we'd wake up with the worst hangovers ever on <laughs> Christmas. So I have this, I have this love hate with wild turkey. <laughs> this is amazing. This is a cut above, definitely. No, no kidding. This is uh, now. Is this something you can still find, or probably not? No, it's yeah. long, long gone. Uh, so we're enjoying this uh, uh, courtesy of you. Thank you. Well, there are places out there that there's secondary market for whiskeys, like you can buy Pappy on secondary market. Sure. You could find this out there uh, on the secondary market if you search for it. This is four or $500 these days. But so, I, back then when it came out, it was $79. What about the subsequent releases? And did they release one of these each year, or is it a, a totally... They did three in about 2004 <clears throat> to 2008. The first okay. one was Wild Turkey Tribute. Then the American Spirit, and they did one called Tradition. And then they stopped for a while. Hmm. But here, more recently, they've been coming out with quite a few of them. They did some under their Russell's Reserve label, right. a 17-year-old one that was fantastic. 
They've done some ones called Wild Turkey Decades with some different things. So here recently, I think in part of the bourbon boom, they're really increasing their their offerings. So I think backtracking releases. a little bit, I don't think I ever brought a Wild Turkey. That single barrel release that I brought was a Jack Daniels single barrel release. You're so right, and I yeah. did like it very much. Yeah, but, but so that, right. that just popped in my head when you said it, and then now what we're talking about it, it wasn't Wild Turkey. So I'm trying to go back and say where I've had the Wild Turkey... Uh, and it was another special release like this, but I was really impressed with it. I don't think I've had one. I think this is. I wonder if I had it when I was on Chris's show, the when you were out. That may have been. Russell's Reserve is basically another one of right. their brands. And so I've got, they, there's I've been got a, a lot of, of barrel picks of, of Russell oh, Reserve yeah. Yeah. done. That mm-hmm. Typically, out there, several stores have done their own barrel picks of Russell's Reserve, and those those can be very nice. By the way, we are supposed to speaking of uh, speaking of uh, barrel picks, we're going to have available at the Whiskey Sniff. The B and B Butcher's barrel pick of Hudson. Oh yeah, which is really something I'm looking forward to nice. because I got to taste some of the last barrel that they picked, and wow, it was spectacular, just spectacular. The first Hudson I ever had was at B and B, and it was that four grain that uh, Jeremiah turned us on. Mm-hmm. That stuff's so good, really, really tr- tremendous. Okay, we're going to taste more whiskey. We're going to talk a little bit more about. Uh, about what it means to be a whiskey tater. And then there's a, a fascinating new article that I stumbled across at liquor.com about the um, the best bourbons for less than fifty dollars. And we like to talk about we like to talk about stuff that's in um, the average person's price range right. as much as we can. Uh, so I'd really love to have you weigh in on some of those. So we'll get to that coming up. Plus we've got some great beers to sample. Uh, it's smoking and toasting this episode number one oh seven and we will be right back. Very good. It's smoking and toasting, and we are show number one hundred and seven. And our special guest uh, uh, with us in the studio today is whiskey blogger Wade Woodard from Tater Talk dot com. And uh, oh, so I had to pass this particular story along. We try not to get too political on the show. We have enough to disagree about when it comes to uh, <laughs> you know uh, spirits and cigars and, and beers and what have you. Uh, so I don't share this with any sort of like. Endorsement or damnation. I just share it because I thought it was awesome. Um, the guy that President Trump has selected to be his right-hand guy in the trade war with China has this item on his resume. He once was in a, in a negotiation between the United States and the Soviet Union, and he rattled the Soviet negotiators. One of his tactics was... In a small concrete room, he smoked during the negotiation an entire box of Cuban cigars. <laughs> that's just awesome. I don't care who you support politically. That's just awesome. That's just awesome. Uh, you know, and he gets to say, "I was doing it for my country," which makes it even cooler. You know, <laughs> all right. smoked them all himself. He didn't share. <laughs> I guess not. Which probably was the biggest part of the problem. <laughs> right. That would that would be uh, my guess. Oh, listen to that sound. We got a good one there. Yes. 
we're all about, Wade, in case you hadn't noticed, we're all about the high-tech sound effects here on Smoking and Toasting. So uh, on every show uh, since about, I don't know, late July, when they started appearing on shelves, we've tried to sample an Oktoberfest of some sort because this is the season where uh, where they're out there and available. And fortunately, I brought one this weekend, and I didn't have to send you chasing all over uh, all over town to find one right before the show. Uh, but this is the Rarin' Sons Oktoberfest. I got a chance to sit at the bar once with uh, one of the uh, brewers from Rar and Sons, mm-hmm. and he was a very interesting dude. Talked to me a lot about his uh, uh, his brewery there in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, I really appreciated their passion for at the time. This is back when like everything was about IPA, and again, I'm an IPA guy, so I'm totally cool with that. But they weren't IPA centric at all. No, they were, not at all. They were brewing black lagers, and they were brewing the ugly uh, pug. Some, yeah, some really interesting and different. Uh, kinds of beers, and I loved that they were so well. Uh, they're at the time unique. They're uh, such a quality among, brewery, anyway. They've well, they kept really, their quality up. <laughs> they really are. And I, uh, one of my favorite, I will say, one of my favorite pint glasses that I have at home. And this might make me a beer tater. I don't know, but uh, one of my favorite pint glasses that I have is my Rar and Sons Ugly Pug Lager glass. <laughs> nice. I just love that. So, so this is their Oktoberfest. I don't remember if we sampled this on last year's Oktoberfest show or not. We may have. It's six point seven percent. And it is a Marzen lager, and it's kind of a tra- traditional. And I love on their cans; they always say "prost, y'all." Um, uh, it's kind of a traditional Oktoberfest, I guess. Ian, your thoughts? You've already uh, done some research here. This tastes like like dark bread and butter. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's it's similar. Uh, um, for my first sip, I find it a little bit similar. To our favorite Oktoberfest, which is the St. Arnold, which we it, are all huge fans uh, You know, fans it, of. so it has that kind of body to it, but this right here doesn't have the sweetness that the St. Arnold has. Mm-hmm. Um, this has a little more of that... Um, it's a little yeastier. Yeah, that yeah. bready kind of yeasty mm-hmm. kind of thing going on, and it finishes great. So this will be uh, almost the opposite as far as the finish on it right. from the, from the St. Arnold one. Uh, I really enjoy this. This really does, like, when you have a good fresh baked dark bread mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he has the butter and stuff that's what this really reminds me of like especially on the aftertaste and everything else now it's not really that buttery or anything but you get the idea right. that breadiness that, that this has a huge amount of that now delicious. wait i don't even know how big of a beer fan you are whether you're a, a craft brew guy or or not uh but what what are your thoughts on the uh on the Oktoberfest? i, I like marzins as a style and mm-hmm. i don't we don't see a lot of them yeah. out there on the marketplace that's so, true agreed uh so i'm i'm really enjoying this mm. uh i get that Dark bread. I also got a little kind of citrusy notes to it. Not like an IPA citrusy, but no, a little I bit No, I know there. what you mean. It's a little bit on kind of like the back of the tongue. Um, I, I think one of the things that's great about Oktoberfest is uh, these Mars and Lagers are both full-flavored and refreshing. And a lot of times with the beer, you sort of wind up with one or the other. You know, they either go the refreshing route and they're really, you know, great for a hot summer day with some flavor or you go the full flavored route, and they're delicious and they're tasty, but they're not necessarily all that refreshing. And the Marzins seem to be kind of in that sweet spot uh, to me, where you where you get a little bit of both. You know? Yeah. This this has a little bit. I think uh, what you're talking about there's there's a bitter snap, that bitter uh, that bitter hop on the end, but it almost to me ends more like a uh, more like an ESB would. Mm-hmm. You know, like an extra special bitters has it has a little bit of that finish to it. I I think it's delicious. I, I I really like this. Actually, I would put this in the upper echelon 
of the Oktoberfest mm-hmm. that we've tried this year so far. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So it's the Rar and Sons. It's an orange for can. <laughs> Oktoberfest. I like how you always put it pretty simply, and that's <laughs> that's the that's that's the way to go. Uh, Rar and Sons from uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, they describe the beer as full-bodied, pours bright copper, rich and toasty, malty sweetness, mm-hmm. balance. It was a 2015 GABF gold medal winner. So there you go. The toast on it, it's, it's almost like the slightly burnt part of the toast being too. Yeah. It's, it's really good. You know, Fort Worth, Texas is becoming a hipster hotspot. And that seems so weird because you think of Fort Worth as like the ultimate cow town. Rodeos right, right. and rodeos and you know steers. The which whole of course, stockyards and everything. Yeah, the whole right. That's what you think. But apparently, uh, and you know, we're from the Houston area, so we're not as familiar with the Dallas area, but I can tell you that of if I were to be moving to the Dallas Fort Worth area right now. I'd be looking at Fort Worth. That just seems to be where it's mm-hmm. where it's happening. It's certainly where a lot of the craft breweries and and I think even some distilleries are are locating. Are, are there any distilleries that you're aware of in the yeah, Fort Worth area? Yeah, there's Firestone and Robinson. Right, right, and okay. they're yep. right. They're not far from the stockades, and yeah. I've been up there one time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, they make the uh, TX whiskey, and they make that's mm-hmm. a good whiskey. I like. They that make whiskey. a TX straight bourbon whiskey that is a product that they actually. 100% distilled grain to glass. Wow. So Love it. Love it. That's so good. So tell us about the, the uh, you have, um, well, you started to talk to, uh, the other night when we were chatting about uh, you're starting a, uh, not a society, what I'm blanking An on. Association. Association. An association. There you go. Yes. Thank you. I'm, I, my I w- words. And I wouldn't say there. that that I started it, but uh, definitely. So you're the, you're front running it. Yeah. I'm involved, involved with it as the compliance officer, which is kind of a perfect role for me. Oh, but there you go. It's Pretty the good, Texas yeah. Whiskey Association. And what really happened, as I mentioned, you have you had some grain-to-glass Texas whiskey uh, distilleries that were really making their product, and they're competing as against these other companies that are just buying it in bulk and calling it Texas whiskey. Now, when you mm-hmm. talk about, okay, they buy it in bulk and call it Texas whiskey, that's much like ordering uh, a pack of matches with your logo on it right is that kind of what you're going at yes yeah okay so let me ask you this is there a difference to you between the people that do that that basically buy their whiskey externally and put it in a bottle and call uh, call it texas because they're based in texas or whatever state they may be claiming to be from what about people who are getting different whiskeys blending it in texas let's say and releasing it as a as a Texas blend with full, you know, you know, full acknowledgement that the whiskeys are coming from different places. How do you feel about those? Sure. Guys? Uh, matter of fact, one of our members of this Texas whiskey organization is Treaty Oak. They sell a whiskey called Red Handed mm-hmm. that they source it from three different states mm-hmm. and they blend it and they bottle it here. And they're a member of our organization. Now, what they don't do is they don't try to say that that is a Texas whiskey. They, they say it's uh, Treaty Oak. It's their whiskey, yes, mm-hmm. red-handed. But they're not trying to claim that it's a Texas whiskey. Full disclosure of where well, it comes from. It's on the back of the label. It says mm-hmm. the three states that it's distilled in. Makes sense. And the whole concept of red-handed was you caught us red-handed sourcing We're sourcing whiskey, whiskey from somewhere a, else. Yeah, an I internal joke. Sure, but that makes they're sense. completely honest about it. So we, we have no problems no. with that. It's more about the transparency. But let me just kind of cover what this TWA is. Okay. Uh, so the guys. Got together and we're starting with eight companies, and they are Andalusia, Balcones, which has been around for ten years. And they make some great stuff. Uh, a new one up in Austin that's just starting to put away whiskey called Crowded Barrel. 
Garrison Brothers, mm-hmm. which it was started here mm-hmm. in Texas ten years ago. Uh, one up in Denton called Iron Root Republic. Oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ranger Creek, the guys that make the mm-hmm. beer, mm-hmm. Uh, they make a whiskey too. That's San Antonio, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Treaty Oak, as I mentioned, and another one up in Austin called Still Austin. They've been open about a year, and they put away quite a number of barrels of whiskey. Uh, they're selling a, a white whiskey that's just barely touched a barrel right mm-hmm. now, but eventually mm-hmm. they'll have, uh, you know, true well. Yeah, you can't have an aged, uh, you can't have an aged product if you started, you know, this year. Right. right. <laughs> so you gotta. So, but we age. we we hope to be open to everybody else that's making whiskey because there's quite a few more out there that are making Texas whiskey. So these were our founding members, uh, and that's how we were going to come up with a definition of what we call a Texas whiskey, and that's grain to glass made here in texas you know mash fermented distilled asian bottle right Uh, it's very much like what the craft beer association came up with they said if you're going to call yourself a craft beer and we're going to certify you as being that you have to meet these particular Mm -hmm. um you know these particular things you can't be more than a certain percentage owned by a larger uh beer company you have to you know do certain yeah. things in terms of the way and so, you and make so making it straight you have nothing against the company that sources whiskey it's just a matter of don't try to sell it as this is not sourced whiskey you got it yeah so let me ask you this question texas is unique i've lived all over the united states i've lived in uh, i start to say half the states in the country it certainly hasn't been that much but i've lived in a lot of different states massachusetts florida california um uh, maryland uh, there is no state where people take this huge amount of pride in being from the state mm-hmm. the way that Texas does. There's nothing like it. And I say this objectively, even though I was born in Texas and pretty much consider myself to be a Texan. Like, uh, people from Massachusetts, they may love it there, but they don't go around going, I'm from Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Massachusetts. It's just not... A thing. And in Texas, it's a big deal yeah. to be from here or, uh, as one of my favorite bumper stickers says, you know, I, I wasn't born in Texas, but I got here as quickly as I could. <laughs> you know, you, you'll find national companies that come out with these big marketing strategies oh. for the rest of the country. And then they do a different one for Texas. Oh, yeah. You're so right about <laughs> Ford that. Ford has an entire Texas edition <laughs> oh, pickup truck. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. absolutely. We, are, we are very prideful people. So man. is the Texas whiskey thing then? Is it really just that? Is it about the pride of being from Texas? Or is there is there any particular advantage? Is there any particular selling point other than Texas pride to being a whiskey from Texas? Well, whiskey is an agricultural product, right? right. Sure. Uh, so here, you're going to have terroir with your whiskeys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're making a, a whiskey here in Texas, it's probably going to come from texas grains because it doesn't make sense to to import it from somebody else sure and we grow plenty of corn here Mm -hmm. uh so yeah i think there's more to it than just saying uh yes please (laughs) sorry got interrupted by by bourbon so i think there's there's more to it than that and like kentucky always says they have the greatest limestone water and that what makes Mm -hmm. it bourbon well guess Mm -hmm. what we have in the hill country a lot of good limestone water we do yes we do (laughs) we absolutely do so there's a lot to texas that can make some great whiskeys and these companies are making very uh, exceptional i've had some texas whiskey that's blown my mind you know like really and a lot of them have not been particularly expensive pricey kinds of, of whiskey 
Um, Ian, you just poured us something that has a, the big Texas star on it. Well, I figured since we were talking about the Texas thing, I uh, poured us some Garrison Brothers uh, Cowboy Bourbon. Uh, Cowboy Bourbon. Texas Straight Bourbon Whiskey. I'm going to let Mr. Wade tell us about it because he knows more than us. I will tell you that the Garrison Brothers of the World of Whiskey the other night were gracious and wonderful. Uh, well, Garrison Brothers, this is their kind of special release that they've it's come delicious. out. Uh, mm. Mm. For a while, they were doing it every other year, but uh, they did it the past two years in a row, so maybe they're changing it. Maybe it'll a, be a yearly thing. Year, mm-hmm. Yearly thing, but this is wow, from this a is couple good. years ago. Now, this is barrel-proof mm. whiskey, so this is, so mm-hmm. this is like 130 I forget yeah, the exact 67 group. point something percent. Yeah. So I <laughs> might, add, might add a little water to this one. Yeah. Uh, but 100% Texas yellow uh, white corn is what Garrison Brothers uses. Uh, that hill country limestone water, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeast, barrels. I know for a fact on this one that one of the barrels that, that went into this mix was uh, French limousine oak. French limousine oak. Okay. Uh, which is very expensive French wines are mm-hmm. traditionally aged in that. One of the standards to be bourbon whiskey is it has to be aged in an oak container. Most people assume that has to be American oak. And most, most whiskeys are, most but whiskeys are, that's yeah. not the requirement. It just has to be an, an oak container. Uh, so the limousine oak kind of gives it more of a, I think, a chocolatey note to it. The back it's end very of the chocolatey. Very yes. chocolatey. Cinnamon and, cinnamony and yeah. chocolatey, I if love you ask cinnamon-y. me, and mapley. And it has a lot caramely kind of stuff going on this, this is, is just wonderful you know flavor. so it's interesting too because like my first sip of this was so intensely sweet with the chocolate and the cinnamon um and then i put a little water in it and the corn just blooms mm-hmm. like that's pretty amazing yeah you're absolutely right i was going to say that the way it opens up yeah when you put the water uh, when you put a little bit of water in it but it opens up in a, in a sort of a corn way you yeah know, it, it really does it's it's a uh but you know, and and some people I, I, that I've talked to don't like when there's a real distinct corn flavor to the whiskey. But in this case, it's not in any way. It doesn't overpower. It just complements. It just almost makes it blend better with the other flavors uh, is, when you put a little water in. This there, is a prime example of a whiskey that I would I would pour myself um, a small glass of this, and I would put an ice cube in it. Mm-hmm. And taste it. Then once you get it's to cold, taste it as it ro- as it, and then as it waters in, you get to taste that whole ride of flavors as it gets more. And so you more taste it first diluted, warm, yeah. Second cold, and then third a little bit as diluted. It, yeah. The whole delusion, 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 like delusion. delusion. Yeah. The whole delusion process. <laughs> you know, I I know Dan Garrison fairly well, and I will tell you that uh, he often drinks his bourbon on some ice cubes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think he does kind of go for that profile. I yeah. think it holds up very well to having an ice cube. Well, in, I like in that. Whiskey, and sometimes so. you get like the tiniest sliver of ice and a bunch of watered down whiskey. It's the best last yeah. sip, you know? Uh-huh. Yes. Because <laughs> it's, like, like, it's not like that watered down sip of Dr. Pepper that you left there about an hour ago. It's no. not like that at no. all. No, you know? <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right. But if you want to get back to one of the whiskey tater reasons, and this is one that I've done, I'm guilty of. Talk to me. This is These glasses are called Glencairn. They're mm-hmm. specifically designed to taste and nose whiskey. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're designed to drink whiskey neat but if you put an ice cube in this glass you're a whiskey tater. that's a whiskey tater. that's a whiskey tater. You're, you're, feel free to add ice to your whiskey but it should be in a rocks glass yes. not a not a okay. glen karen um, that you know that that 
excludes me from being a whiskey tater because you know my I, I don't think that holds a whole ice and yeah. especially if you have the round ice it just sits on top and yeah. that's annoying that is annoying yeah yeah <laughs> you're right yeah if you've got that moon shaped ice from the ice maker it would look pretty weird in one of these you know? so. <laughs> all right we're gonna take a quick break when we come back there's more whiskey to taste wade you brought some beers and i'm getting pretty curious about what they are so uh, we may taste one of your beers uh coming up next plus ian has brought a lafrag we're gonna have to get to that uh, so it's uh, well, we may have to go over. I mean, it's just a fact of life. Well, we have more you know, stuff here to taste. This happens more often than not here on the Smoking and Toasting Worst Show. Worst problem ever. Ever since we got sort of released from the you know need for the show to have to clock in at exactly an hour, I just well let's just say we drink more now, and we'll be right back. It's Smoking and Toasting number one hundred and seven, uh, and Wade Woodard is with us from Tater Talk. I actually wanted to try that rogue. Oh, yes. We're going to try this okay, for sure. Okay, we'll try this for sure because I don't think I've ever tried that. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. This is the radio program that is all about whiskey, spirits, uh, hand rolled cigars, craft beer, uh, and anything else we, uh, you know, kind of have on our random mind. subjects that, that we just get off on. Week, yes. Uh, <laughs> but today's today's been a lot about whiskey because uh, Wade Woodard is with us. He's with the uh, uh, with the Tater Talk dot com. Uh, you know, it sounds weirder to say it that way, but that's how you find it. Tater Talk dot com. It's it's a great whiskey blog, and it's particularly good for. People who are whiskey nerds or whiskey taters because it's not just like, hey, I tried this. Here's what I thought. Can you can you highlight a couple of the whiskey tater reasons for us? What are some of your favorites? You have a list of seventy. We don't need this all is, seventy. I just want to hear. I just want to hear like you, a, yeah, a couple is, of your. Okay, favorites. I, I, I think he's one the that's, Jeff Foxworthy of whiskey. I, if so and so, so and so, you might be a whiskey tater. Here's here's one I think has become a lot more relevant. Uh, if you purchase any whiskey that's named after a celebrity, dead or alive, or a musical act, because we've had all these whiskeys recently yes. that's introduced after all these people. Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Yesterday I saw Sylvester Stallone now has his own bourbon out. He made a Instagram post saying, uh, years in the work, it turns out that it's a six-month-old bourbon. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's counting when they poured the slab and, you know, uh, uh, you know, put the first uh, lumber up at the distillery. Oh, no, it's it, it sourced from one of the big Oh, well, the, okay, well, there you go. He's See? counting from the moment he thought, you know what I should do is have a bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's years in the well, middle. one. The uh, Who's the guy that sold the tequila line for a billion dollars recently? Oh, uh, is... Um, uh, yeah, I know. I know you're talking about. Uh, 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 Draw well, a blank on there too. There, well, there's so many guys that have sold tequila. Casamigas too. It was Casamigas was the tequila brand. Yeah, um, George Clooney. George, George Clooney. Yeah, yes. George Clooney. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Thank he, he developed this brand and sold it for just boohoo bucks. So I think now anybody that's anybody says, "Oh, I can have a whiskey under well, my I name. I can have a whiskey. <laughs> I can have a tequila. I can." And there's so many of them. Well, we sampled the Bob Dylan whiskey. I thought it was pretty good. Like I, I was, I was reasonably impressed. I, I tried all three, and the the base version of it—that's the one I, we tried. Yeah. I, I like because I know where it's sourced from. It's sourced, they say, it's 
distilled in Tennessee? Mm-hmm. Well, there's one big distillery in Tennessee that sells bulk <laughs> whiskey, and that's the George Dickel Distillery. Right, right. And I love Dickel products, so I actually like that whiskey. But at the price point, they're selling it because they're probably paying him. Because they're, yeah, yeah. they're adding Bob Dylan, sure. You know, it kind of punches a little bit below its weight, so, but I still like the whiskey. Yeah. So what you're saying is if you like that, you can go with the George Dickel and find the, find the taste you're looking for a bit cheaper. Now, do they when they source whiskey? Do they ever source it with the uh, with stipulations? Like, for instance, I'm sourcing whiskey for me, but I need it to have this profile or that kind of thing. Or are they just sourcing whatever they're whatever that particular distillery puts out? I mean, is it is it literally like that matchbook, or do you have a choice of matchbooks, or can you create your own matchbook? Because uh, I, I don't really it, know how that part of it works. It is a great question. If you look at one of the distilleries that's very big into this business, they basically have none of their brands. They just do contract with other people. It's this distillery in Indiana. It's right across from the river from Kentucky, but it's mm-hmm. called uh, MGP, Midwest Grain Products. At one time, it was owned by Seagram's, and they made a lot of whiskeys that went into Seven Crown, if you remember that blended whiskey. Okay. Uh, but they make multiple mash bills, which is the percentage of the grains. Uh-huh both several bourbon mash bills and rye mash bills so a company could come to them and say i want to make a product that's unique to me let's pick a little bit of this mash bill a little bit of that one and then we'll blend these together and it's not just you know an off the shelf i'm just buying it and bottling it i am doing something a little bit different or these days a lot of times companies will buy one of these bulk products and then they'll finish it in a port barrel sure right uh, or they do some other steps do something to, it. to add a little yeah, to, to make, to make it, it different to make it there so mm-hmm. i mean there's there's things that you can do to to make it not just those matches that are the same all across right. the board but then mm-hmm. there are a number of companies that are just the same matchbook i'm sure right sure what about something how do you feel about something like i know matthew mcconaughey has gotten involved with wild turkey and he's like, all right, all right, all right, all right. He's he's, but apparently he was responsible for Be selecting a, if you did. a particular blend, um, the Long you, Branch, right? What do you what do you think about when celebrities do that? Is that a better way for them to get involved than just stamping their name on something or? You know, they Man, wanted him to be it, a spokesman. If Wild and, Turkey wants to pay me what they're paying him to be a spokesman, <laughs> I'd uh, I'd be down for that. And you have to figure some of that cost gets transferred to the bottle, right? Sure. Of course. All right. All right, so you brought a beer. Let's get to this beer because you already opened this bag. I opened this one. It this has is no label. With, this is, And let me stress, it's no label not because it's from No Label Brewing right, no. in Katie. <laughs> it's no label because it's just a plain bottle. What, what this is, I know you're a fan of it, it's uh, Buried Hatchet Stout. Oh, I love Star. buried hatchets. And so some, why is it in a uh, no, label yeah, list? We're getting there. Some friends of mine had bought a barrel of Four Roses. James Quill and David Gray, you're out there listening. And we took the barrel up to Southern Star and filled it with 53 gallons of buried hatchet stout. Oh. And we let it age for 14 months in a bourbon barrel. Uh, then we took it out and we put it in little pony kegs and added a little carbonation so to it. So this is just yours. This is not something that's commercially avail- no, available at all. it's not commercially available at all. Oh, this is wow, something I thought cool. you guys might enjoy. Well, I will, that's t- incredibly I will tell you, cool. when we first started smoking a toast and people 
ask me then and still do ask occasionally you know what made you guys start the show and um my one word answer and it it it, it is as true today as it was back then is uh <clears throat> samples samples uh, and so this is just the type of thing where we <laughs> feel incredibly lucky to be uh, uh to be getting the opportunity to sample something like this i think christopher hart talked to me about this but i don't think i ever got to actually taste any of it it smells delicious. Wow. I mean, they do a version themselves called Black Crack, mm-hmm. which is pretty similar. I have I've had some that, of that which is pretty good. in my fridge. This yeah. is sweeter, though, I think, than the Black Crack, isn't it? The Black Crack, what I understand, is they age part of it in the barrel, and then when they dump it out of the barrel, they put in some fresh, so they get some carbonation so added that way. I so like how mixed. this is not heavily carbonated. I like how no. low-carb this is. This, to me, And by is... low-carb, you don't mean carbohydrate. Right, low-carbonation, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I actually yeah, like this is not on the paleo diet. I actually diet. like this. Now a lot of people don't like beer that has little to almost no carbonation. Mm-hmm. Me, if it's done right, especially darker ales and and stouts and porters, I'm fine with it being Yeah. For lack of a better term, flat, but that's not the right term. It if just you, doesn't have much carbonation. If you've got a goza and it's not carbonated, you've got a problem. Mm. But, but Yeah, some here, beers kind of stand on it. Yeah, but, but this here, one this is delicious. This has mm. Like the caramel and the chocolatiness in here, like this is, this is like a like a what's that candy the Rollo? Yes, it's like a Rollo. <laughs> well, well, you know, with what, with darker chocolate or you something. you know what it's this almost is, like? It's almost like you covered a date with chocolate. There's definitely and caramel, a date profile in it, and then yeah. you kind of squeezed it with the chocolate and caramel all on top of it, and then poured that into a glass. Only it's a really delicious stout. I love that. That is <laughs> yeah. delicious. No, this is great. Like. If you could bottle this and put it on the shelves, or can it put it on the shelves, this would be a hit. I'm telling you. Well, they kind of do it with Black Crack already, yeah. and this was just a fun project for us. We did take some of it, and when we put it into the little five-gallon kegs to carbonize it, we added some extracts, Some like one we did with some cocoa nibs, one we did with some black cold cold coffee extract. Mm. Uh, did you so- use uh, commercial kegs or corny kegs, or did you use a little round, uh, like, Keg looking kegs. They were metal five gallon kegs. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. so how much of this do you have? <laughs> well, we did this. I guess the it's been aging question. in the bottle for about three years. <laughs> yeah. And you know, so I wound up with basically a third of the barrel. So I had a lot of bottles of it. We did some in twenty two, but that was about three years ago. I gave it out a lot as a presents. So I probably got about That's six six bottles left at home. Fantastic. So. Thank you so much so, for sharing that. Uh, yeah. And thank you. For do sharing. you mind if you share a little more? Go ahead. I was, I was going to say thank you for sharing that you uh, that you gave out some as presents and let me again state for the second time on this program <laughs> that my birthday is this week. So uh, I'm just I'm just saying. No, it's, seriously, this is this is really great. And what I really like about it is that sometimes you know, and Ian is a little more fan of this genre, I think, than I am. But sometimes I find when people are going for something unusual in this sort of a vein they just kind of overdo it. like i don't need you know we've talked about this before ian but i don't need my beer to have chunks in it that's not something i'm looking for see i don't mind chunks see, in beer. this but this is just so I, he's, well he's still picking on me because i brought i brought a harvest ale that was like oh come like, on i had to chew that beer <laughs> <laughs> it was from like 2000 i don't remember how how far back it was from i'll have to go back to the episode but yeah it was a little chunky yeah. I, i've tried some other bourbon barrel aged stouts and mm-hmm. sometimes they just get 
too surfy sweet. Right. Sometimes they're trying too hard. Yeah, is what yeah. I is what I usually try to say. This feels like it's just so nicely balanced, though. Well, it's you're really start, delicious. But you're starting with with uh, with Southern Star's Buried Hatchet, which is a beautiful beer. Well, all by itself, that is like you know. I have the, to tell you something. So I had a birthday party a couple of years ago. Was it last year or year before? Did I mention it's my before. birthday this week? My wife said, "Okay, we're going to get a couple of kegs." Um, and so my birthday party was saddled back with uh, a friend of mine's going away party. Right. And uh, and both of us really like buried hatches. So she's like, I think we should get a keg of buried hatchet. I was like, that's a bad idea. And she goes, why? You both love buried hatchet. I was like, that's why it's a bad idea. That stuff is 10%. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're going to be drinking for six hours. Right. A keg of 10% beer. Mm-hmm. That's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love this stuff, but we actually had oh, no, to choose right. something that was a little you had to longer, go a little, under you know, that, a little, yeah. little well, more sessionable. I've, I've said this before. I, I met Ian not too long before he got married, and uh, was you know very thrilled to be invited to his wedding. And I remember at the time thinking, "Man, this guy has the best beer at his wedding of any anybody's <laughs> wedding I've ever been to <laughs> in my life." Uh, it was just like you know because usually you get what you expect, right? No, no, not at Ian's wedding. We were we were tapping kegs that were like amazing, <laughs> amazing. So, uh, all right, there is a new list on Liquor dot com of uh, the best bourbons under fifty dollars, and they have listed seventeen of them. Okay. So with it in mind, uh, Wade, because it's great when we get. A whiskey expert on the show besides Ian. Not, you know, no offense, my friend. But, I don't know if I'd be called an expert. Yeah, well, all right. But I'm an enthusiast. That's to, for sure. to me, you're an expert because well, you know. Be, to more be an expert me. on any so- t- subject, you got to spend 10,000 hours, is what yeah. that they say. Uh, so, you, well, you, in that case, yeah. You're, bo- you're both experts, <laughs> and I'm getting damn close. <laughs> all right. So, what I'd like, what I'd love for you to do, Wade, is knowing that there's 17 of these on the list, I'll go through the list. You tell me whether you feel, does that deserve to be on their list or not? In other words, did they get it right? You're going to put me on the spot but, here. Well, no, I, I, I will say, you know, well, it's a very personal opinion sure. thing. You know, well, they're some saying, people, I might love a whiskey and someone else hates it right. and vice versa. And of it, course. That's fine. And, so, and, yeah, but, and that's fine. But we're just looking for your opinion. Okay. And this is saying best under 50. Okay. So it's not a question of do you think it's good or not. It's a question of if you're going to pick the 17 best. Would you say this belongs on the list, or would it be on your list? Would I spend fifty dollars uh, on that out of my 50, own pocket? Absolutely, okay, okay, absolutely. Okay, that's fair. So the first one's Basil Hayden's at fifty-two dollars. Pass. Really? No, that's interesting. I uh, like Basil Ian, Hayden. Well, yeah. I tell you why. Because oh, wait a second, is it fifty-two dollars? Well, I, that's the one they're listing here. It's just the. Uh, I usually yeah. buy it at like uh, a little below forty, right? Well, it could very well be because um, you know this is liquor.com's a national website. You know, okay. stuff does vary uh, in region by price. Uh, All right, vary by continue, price in region. So. Let me give you a quick answer, though. Yes, uh, please. That's made by Jim Beam. You probably know mm-hmm. uh, it's a Beam product. They make two different mash bills. One mash bill makes all their bourbons. Another is a little bit higher rye. It makes Basil Hayden, and it makes Old Granddad. Mm-hmm. That's, old why, that's why Old Granddad's so good, huh? Yeah, Old Granddad's brand's been around forever, and you can buy the Old Granddad 100 proof for about $19, $20, and I'll buy Old Granddad so over Basil Hayden. So that's why you pass on this at 50. I pass on that because I prefer Old Granddad. I, I'm, I'm taking that challenge. I'm going to buy Old Granddad. This is why you have a whiskey expert on the show, right? Right? Because I wouldn't have known that. All right, number two. At $20, there again, this this is the price that's listed on the article, yeah. okay? Um, at $20, Buffalo Trace. 
Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. Uh, at $34, number three, and these are not in order uh, necessarily. They're just, this is the list. Uh, at number three, uh, at $34 is Bullet. Bullet. The bourbon, not the rye, yes, does it it's, say? Uh, it's Frontier Whiskey Bullet Bourbon, yes. Bullet Bourbon, $34. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Bullet Bourbon. Yeah, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd agree with that, wouldn't you? I think we usually get it at twenty-eight, and absolutely yeah. at twenty-eight. And, and it sounds know. like maybe we're enjoying some better pricing here in the Lone Star State. Let's not tell everybody that. Let's yeah. <laughs> try not to do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Bullet, uh, Bullet has their own distillery now that they're aging mm-hmm. bourbon, but for years they sourced bourbon. They weren't didn't have mm-hmm. a distillery, mm-hmm. so the product that they're selling now is actually distilled. Primarily by Four Roses contract distilled okay. by now, Four Roses. So I like I, Four Roses. Yeah, I like Four Roses yeah. too. This is one reason I'm saying yes to Bullet. Slight, slight pause, by the way. Um, that beer and it's this whiskey so freaking good. Yeah, good pairing. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> we need a yeah. cigar to go with it. Yeah, we certainly absolutely. do. Uh, Wade, we're going to have you back on the show when we do one of our shows from B and B, so we can smoke. That's uh, that's good. Uh, at uh, at price on this list of thirty six dollars, Eagle Rare. Definitely, yeah. I would, I would a ten-year-old age, still an age-dated bourbon at ten years. Mm-hmm. So I bet there's not a lot on that list that still has an right, age right. statement. I'm, so be- yes. I'm betting you're right. Yeah. Uh, the small batch uh, Elijah Craig at thirty-one dollars. Yes. Okay. I'm a fan. Um, at thirteen dollars, Evan Williams Black Label. Thirteen. Thirteen dollars is tempting, but I find Evan Williams to be a little bit harsh, a little bit. This is just their, you know, yeah. this is just their standard uh, uh, bourbon. At thirteen is it's punching way above its weight on your scale, but, but it's, would you it's, make it one of the best? I don't know if it's, I drink most of my whiskey neat. I don't mix it, yeah, and it's not really a neat. If you're making a cocktail with it or mixing it with Coke or something, it's a great product for that. Okay. But for my my drinking needs, no, I, I'm not going to buy it. At thirty four dollars, the Evan Williams Single Barrel. Yes. Okay. I don't know if I've had that, have I? I don't think I have. It's um, age-stated. These days it's probably about seven- to eight-year-old whiskey at uh, 100 proof, I believe. It's nice. At $45, Four Roses Single Barrel. Definitely. The 100 proof single barrel expression from Four Roses. Uh, how about at $34, Henry McKenna Single Barrel? I don't yes. know that one. Henry McKenna, it's made by the same Heaven Hill that does Elijah okay. Craig. It's bottled it's, in bond, right? It's bottled in bond, so 100 proof, and it's also age-stated 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Recently at a Whiskey Award show, which— 34 maybe, bucks, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's like 28, actually, here in town, too. See? So, yeah. Uh, at a Whiskey Award show, which I don't really like award shows, it, it won World Whiskey of the Year, mm-hmm. which caused— Shortage of the, in this market here recently, but I've seen in the past month it's kind of back appearing on the shelves. So, mm-hmm. how about Lost Republic at thirty three dollars? Lost Republic, I don't know that brand. Okay, I, I, I have know. seen it, uh, but it's a Bay Area bourbon. I'm, let me read you the description. It says this Bay Area bourbon stays with the tradition of fruitcake, vanilla, and caramel on the nose, toasted almonds, uh, cinnamon, and subtle tobacco flavors show through this whiskey, giving it a soft yet full finish. It's easy drinking and reasonably priced. And that's a review from Alicia Walton, the owner and bartender at the bar Sea uh, Star in San Francisco. So this may be something that, you know, the Lost Republic and there's the big bear on the label, so it looks very California. Maybe something that's more. I have seen this, but it's certainly possible I might have seen it while I was in California. So uh, I have not tasted it, so I can't tell you. Uh, at $29, Medley Brothers. 
Not a fan. Not a fan. Ian, any? I've never heard of yeah, it. I have not. I have not had Medley Brothers. How about a twenty-five dollars Old Forester? Uh, they make a hundred proof. Hundred proof. One? Yes. Yes. It says here either the either the eighty-six proof or barrel proof shine in cocktails that meet with other spirits. That's the quote. And of course, I don't know. You know we're probably looking at this more from a how is it neat uh, or or with a little bit of water uh, standpoint. So I, I like it. Uh, especially at that price, they sell one that's called Old Forester 1920. Mm-hmm. It's more like $54. That is fantastic. Okay. So. See, these are the things that you learn when you have the whiskey expert on the show. I love it. Uh, on number 13, at $18, Old Granddad Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Well, we talked about that we already. Know this, so yep, definitely we know where we're going. Yeah. Old Granddad. See, I wouldn't, and again, this is, this is part like the prejudices of what you think about certain brands. Right. But as somebody who's, me being less educated in whiskey, I mean, I might now, but boy, a year or two years ago, you wouldn't have caught me dead walking out of a store with a bottle of old granddad. That just seemed like that can't be good, right? You know, but but indeed it is, like you said. Uh, all right, how about Rowan's Creek at $44? No. Okay, this is really interesting because that's not what I was expecting you to say. Give, uh, give well, me some thoughts. Okay, it's... Sourced whiskey. They mm-hmm. did not distill this. It used to be ten years ago had a twelve year old age statement and it was a lovely whiskey, but mm-hmm. nowadays it's no age statement, NAS mm-hmm. that we call it. And I think you can buy a lot better whiskey for less money than that. Do Matter you- of fact, they source a lot from Heaven Hill, which are the people that make a Elijah Craig and Evan Williams. And you're so. saying go ahead and get a Heaven Hill or Elijah Craig. Or some other Elijah company. Craig or some yeah. Now the the company that makes it, they did start distilling themselves about six years ago, and maybe in the future will be more their own whiskey. But right now it's not, and right now don't it's a lot of distilleries do that? Start sourcing because obviously you can't release a whiskey that you know sure, hasn't yeah. aged. They start by sourcing, and then as or they time make goes gin by. or something else right, that right. they can sell right mm-hmm. away. Yeah, right, right. All right, uh, Russell's Reserve ten year at thirty seven dollars. I'm buying it. Yeah, that's that's a good whiskey. That one, yeah. it's pretty much always in my bar, but that's that's something I just you know learned early, you know, and and learned to love. Um, here we go at twenty one dollars. Wild Turkey, Wild Turkey one on one. More you buy the one point seven five liter handles for about thirty three. <laughs> so, <laughs> and last the at fifty seven dollars the Wild Turkey Kentucky Spirit. I think the Russell's Reserve, the barrel-proof Russell's mm-hmm. Reserves, are are better, and uh, that's twenty bucks cheaper. No, it's about ten dollars cheaper, and okay. it's a higher proof, and they're kind of about the same ages. So I used to be a big fan of the Kentucky Spirit, mm-hmm. but the the Russell Reserve is a little bit newer, and I just think it's a better value. So that's awesome. That's the seventeen, and not to put you on the spot because I know it can be hard to just think of stuff like out of the blue, but can you think of anything that is really obviously missing to you? Uh, under fifty bucks. Under fifty. Uh, bucks. Best best bourbons under fifty bucks. Anything that that at least pops out really quick as being obviously missing. We can think about it during yeah, the we'll break. We'll think about it. Right, yeah. Let's think about it during the break. We'll come back with our final segment. We have a lot more beer. We uh, we want to try this rogue uh, dead guy whiskey. So we'll do this. Maybe in the final segment we'll do this and. Uh, uh, 
Ian, you brought the Lafreg, but we might have to wait till next week for that. Oh, we can wait till next week. It's not going anywhere. Because this is also Except something in my belly. Yeah, this is also something. Tell me about this bottle here. What is this? This is peach brandy. Yeah, we gotta try so, this. I mean, distilled from peaches, no sugar added. So you're not. If you've drank peach brandies before, most yes. of what you drink in the U.S. it's really. Very, very sweet. Very sweet. This is yep. not. This is okay. Lightly of peaches, just really refreshing. Mix it with a little Topo Chico, and you got a great cocktail already. All right, so we're gonna go there, and also a little Rogue Dead Guy whiskey, which we none of us have tasted. So uh, that's all coming up in our final segment. Uh, you are listening to Smoking and Toasting. I don't know. Maybe we just like kind of keep going today. I don't know. <laughs> we can say, we we're gonna to at least one that hundredth episode yeah. ridiculousness. Uh, at some point. Yes, uh, you're listening to Smoking and Toasting. We'll be right back. That was fun doing that last night. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> yeah, no, and educational. It's funny, like, cause I, I guess I don't stand and read them. I, I, uh, I tend to take. On the beach in Hawaii. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. We are uh, thrilled to be bringing you uh, a little program here about uh, distilled spirits. Craft beer and hand rolled cigars. We are on show number one hundred and seven. We are brought to you by the excellence of B and B Butchers and Restaurant at eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, and the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Uh, we love these guys. We love their food, and we are looking so forward to being there in just a couple of weeks now for the whiskey sniff. It's October tenth, and you got to get your tickets. That patio it's gonna be awesome. is so cool, man. It's, it's just going to be a great hang. The Even, whole louvered roof, and oh. they can slide the the things around if it's too breezy or whatever. And let me tell you, here's what you do. When they pass by you with the tray of the bacon, right? You grab the tray. You take one, then you put (laughs) put it behind your back. And then you pretend that you haven't gotten one yet when they pass back by again, <laughs> and you get another one. That's what you do with the bacon. Oh, it's just so good. And, uh, you know, we'll be there, I'm sure, after the event is over. We'll be there just hanging out and drinking. Anybody that wants to come and, uh, you know, enjoy some more whiskey with us. And, you know, they've got a very, very well-stocked bar mm-hmm. at B&B. Our buddy Jeremiah sees to that. So, uh, so excited about that. Tickets are on sale now. They are, from what I've been told, uh, going fast. I don't have a ticket count, but they're going fast and... and the uh, thing I'm being told is this will sell out before the event itself. So please go to eventbrite.com and grab your tickets and let's uh, and, let's sniff. and don't forget the first 48 people get a free cigar, a uh, free extra <laughs> it's the bonus. First cigar. 50 people, Ian. <laughs> I know, but I love those so much. I want some. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be an. Important I guess I'll have to wait till they're actually available and buy some. So uh, I I lived. I mentioned earlier in the show. I've lived all over the country uh, throughout my life. One of the places that I lived uh, for a while was in New Orleans, and I love New Orleans. Uh, although I, I didn't have a great time when I lived there. I worked for um, uh, a company that. Uh, shall remain nameless but they are the company that destroyed radio clear channel uh and uh i, I didn't have a particularly great time uh working there however i love living there and one of the things that i always that always cracked me up about new orleans is how the locals in new orleans really were very focused on not being a big fan of the tourists and i always used to say to them guys you don't understand Without tourism, you are dead as a city. Like that—that that is n- not only your number one uh, industry; it's number one by like miles. You know, is tourism coming into New Orleans? And so I always thought, you know, in New Orleans, you guys need to be a little friendlier to the tourists. Well, now I've—I've I've got a story about uh, a story about a city and its tourists that is making New Orleans seem like 
super friendly by comparison. Because in Venice, they are so against tourists coming to their town that they are actually considering an alcohol ban to combat tourism. The alcohol ban, Say if it is passed, would, would make it a finable offense for anyone to be carrying alcohol after 7 p.m., <laughs> even if it's, it's like sealed in shopping bags. Are you kidding me? In Holy Vi- cow. Prohibition? Like, but that's how much Venice is trying to discourage uh, tourism. Well, I've been there, so I can just say I'm never going back. Well, they, they pass that. <laughs> now, my question is this: If they manage to discourage uh, tourism that much, right? Is their economy going to stand that? I see. I don't know enough about Venice to tell you. I can tell you in New Orleans if the like, tourism a, industry were to fall. Well, that was one of the big problems. Yeah, after New Orleans Katrina, will fall apart, right? After Katrina, because tourism went way down, and yeah. so just at the very time they needed, you know, the income to continue to rebuild the city it it suffered a bit of a uh, setback uh now i think it's back totally to normal now but uh but yeah i would i would assume that venice would be in big trouble if if there were yeah i mean what percentage of their gross income do you suppose tourism actually is i will have to do a little i research. bet yeah i bet, I bet if only there was a device that you could ask and would suddenly come back with answers anyway <laughs> I, I have to imagine that like if they successfully were to completely discouraged tourism like what would their economy be like and how would they be feeling about that in five years well they say like, it says here in the interview in the uh, article uh it says first that the move is designed to target drunk tourists who party throughout the night in squares or public places in the popular city without a justifiable reason <laughs> they might as well just say so is um, americans or wine or beer or everything or everything or as everything. they call it my neighborhood uh it does say that more than <laughs> more than 200 million tourists visit the historic center of venice every year but a growing number of residents are fleeing the city leaving just about fifty-five thousand people uh living there so they're this, trying this to sounds balance. like what happens to the montrose area 200 million people visit there i mean that's half that's, the united states i know that's crazy <laughs> but two uh, tw- i'm sorry did i say 200 let me correct myself. It's twenty million okay, tourists. Twenty million annually. Still, yeah, that's still five yeah. Houston. But that's still that's still a lot of people. So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, so so much for Venice. Uh, but you say you've been there. You're not going back. Well, if that's the new rule. Oh, so, okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't that you had a bad time. It was just, no, it was fantastic. No, <laughs> I, I won't be. Any place, any place. So now, when, what would happen if you just went inside, drank whiskey, and then came outside and decided to be belligerent until you had to go back inside for another drink? Well, I suppose if you're not I mean, carrying that, the alcohol, you're not. You're not in trouble. But. Do you know in Texas it's legal to drink in public? Yes. Yeah, I, I don't think most of the audience does. Yes. Other than commercial downtown business districts, right, and around like schools, mm-hmm. uh, but general public, about, in, public how, intoxication is not legal. But no, uh, it's not. But I can walk out my house and walk down the street and be carrying a, a big pour of bourbon, and I'm not breaking any law. Now, this, in, in unless things have changed since I lived there, and they may have, I'll acknowledge that. But when I lived there, it was not illegal to drink and drive in New Orleans. It was certainly illegal to drive drunk. That would get you a harsh penalty. Mm-hmm. But to actually have an open container, I mean, they actually have drive-through daiquiri shops. There. They still have those. But well, what yeah. they do now is they put a where the straw goes in. Yeah, they put a piece of tape, and that makes it a sealed container. Oh well, there you go. So there's actually, I think, a couple of those here in Houston. 
drive through daiquiri shops. Yeah. You and I need to go on a There's the road W trip. up on Washington, I think, does that, right? Yeah. Maybe maybe we need right. to go on a little road trip around town, buddy. <laughs> There's two, and you know exactly how many there are. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Ian, I brought in today a bottle of the uh, Dead Guy uh, whiskey. This is uh, I'm really curious about this because I love their ale. I and, love Dead Guy Ale. And found out uh, just a while back that they actually do a whiskey, that they have a distillery as well. So it's always interesting to see to me to see if somebody can pull off two, ama- two bits of amazingness that are completely different. Okay, you know? so I've been sitting here sampling because, you know, because um, I haven't been talking. Yeah. So uh, I will tell you, the smell on this, it's, first off, I was looking for more on the nose. The I agree. The smell is very mineral. Mm-hmm. Uh, very mineral very water, so. which is not... Not, not a bad thing. Yeah, not a bad thing. It's very minimal water. Um, I would be looking for more of the, the caramel taste, and malt. And, yeah, yeah, the taste actually it's, backs it up. There's not a lot going on in this, if you ask me. It's not a bourbon, right? It's a whiskey. You it's know, a, it's a straight whiskey, I yeah. believe. Yes, let's, uh, I know let's it's verify. Yeah, dead guy whiskey. It's just whiskey. In small batches from the same malts as award-winning Dead Guy Ale. Ocean aged in oak barrels for at least two years. Ocean aged. Ocean aged. Put them out on the ocean? Put them out on the ocean. I wonder if they actually do, because I know there are places that do. Distilled and bottled by Rogue Spirits Newport. So it is their mm. own stuff. It's not, not so Um It's drinkable. I don't think it's that interesting. I don't dislike it. It's pretty light, actually. Yeah, it is very light. I think that may be what it is, because is we've it been 80 having proof? A, it's, it's. I bet it's 80 proof. It doesn't. Oh, yeah. Dead, dead set, 80 proof. Yeah, it doesn't have a lot of... A lot of punch to it. I find it mm. pleasant. I mean, yes, I would agree. Drinkable. It is pleasant. I, so, yes. so things I like about it. I like the mineral water flavor of it. I like that mineral water kind of like it's very earthy to me. You know, uh, that tastes pretty good. Um, the maltiness, like it, it says, you know, it's with the same malts. It's a little light on the malt to me. It's. Um, I want it to have a little more punch. It's got a little bit of that caramel chocolatiness on the tail end of it. Um, but it's it's all it's very light, like you said. It's I I would say, kind of reminds me of an Irish whiskey, like a Jameson's. Uh, a little bit. Maybe yeah. Jameson's usually sure. has a little more hair to it, though. Yeah. I think mm. this this is a little too too. Um, it's a little too gentle. It's a little too. So if it's ocean age, that has to do with uh, the fact that the barrels are loaded onto boats. Yeah, and they're and uh, aged around. in in the uh, with you know with the rocking of right. the waves. And this and is part of the reason why Kentucky became such a big well, you know, source for bourbon because of they would do that with, on boats on the high river. Right, and, 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 and that's part Jefferson's of where, has one called has a um, an expression called oceans where that's that was their that was their things. Uh, they put it in barrels and then they put it on the ocean and that agitation is what. You know, mm-hmm. and I guess in maybe a younger uh, amount of time, in a, in a shorter amount of time, you get more flavor into the whiskey because of the agitation. I'm because you put you, it in a Rick House, you don't get that. I'm going to tell you that I really like this, but everything that you've said is absolutely true. It is lighter. It is almost like I would almost say this is a good starter whiskey. Yeah, you know, for people who are kind of just getting into it, who are looking to experience flavors and stuff, but who are finding maybe. Maybe finding the burn of some of the uh, things like the Garrison Brothers that we had a little bit earlier, maybe to be a little intense for them, you know? What, what's the uh, price point on this? I, uh, I want to say it's in the neighborhood of 45 I think, yeah, that that's sounds reasonable for, yeah. for craft, true craft distilled product. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's actually pretty reasonable. 
I believe um, I just bought it so last night. So I got to tell you, and just, that copper, look at that thing. Oh yeah, yeah the bottle well, itself. The marketing is, is so fantastic. Cool. Yeah. That the bottle itself is probably worth ten dollars at a price. But I will tell you that I am uh, a little bit surprised to find their whiskey to be a, a kind of a lighter iteration because the beer is not. The ale is like it's one of the more intense ales. My that question you can is buy. this: Is how does this go with Dead Guy Ale? Well, that's a great question, and I wish I had. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder out. how well this actually pairs with it. This question, by the way, Ian, could be easily answered at my house anytime you are available. Don't you have a birthday coming up? <laughs> See? I, I knew we'd make our way <laughs> back to that. I think there's a special occasion coming up. I knew we'd make our way back to that at uh, at some point. Now, um, uh, No, no. You bring the birthday. I'll bring the Malort. Oh. Yeah, my birthday's not until next year. <laughs> Did you notice that dead space? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my birthday's not until next year. See, I, I, I've got a feeling that the next time I drink Malort... I will already have had a lot to drink before the Malort ever happens. That's the only way it's ever going to uh, seem like a good have idea. Have you, sir, been Malorted? I have it's, tasted Malort yeah, a few yeah. times. You don't need to pull it out. It means you've been Malorted. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a phrase. Okay, so uh, Wade uh, Woodard is here. Wade is with Tater Talk. Uh, it's tater-talk.com. He is a uh, whiskey blogger, but it's not just like, here's a whiskey I tried and here's what I think of it. Although, you will do a bit of that on the blog, right? You'll talk about stuff that you've tried and enjoyed, right? I haven't yet, but I plan to. Okay. All right. Fair <laughs> I enough. have nothing against that. There are right. so many blogs out there that do yeah. exactly right. that. Right. I, I, I wanted to take a little different, blog, yeah. different yeah, yours approach. Is, but, yours is definitely different. But there so. are definitely some whiskeys that I plan to taste in the future that mm. I, I want to have some notes on. I love that idea uh, because because I, I found your insight on stuff today to be really you know really interesting. So I would be very interested in anything that you your thoughts on anything that, that you taste. And I think you shouldn't. I realize there are a lot of blogs that do that, but you really shouldn't sell yourself short on that idea because you know I think you've got you know, you've you've proven to me at least you've got some pretty good discerning taste. So Thank I you. like that idea. So, uh, but what you write about a lot is. Uh, I hate to say truth in advertising, but you exactly you, that. you try industry. to keep you try to keep yeah. people honest. It, and I think if that's you good. call me the Ralph Nader of the whiskey industry, uh. <laughs> I would not be disappointed. <laughs> I'm sort of like the Kitty Dukakis of the whiskey industry. That wasn't cool to say. I'm wasn't. not sure where you're going. Oh, with that. Well, Kitty Dukakis was a. I yeah, remember. Yeah, I think you remember. <laughs> yeah, yes. All right. So to steer us away from there, Ian, reach over and grab no, grab this bottle right here. Oh, because this is going to be the last thing we. Do. I can't let uh, I can't let Wade get out of here without us trying this. This is well, you describe it to okay. us. Okay, this is a uh, peach brandy, mm-hmm. and. It was distilled in Georgia, but the guy who owns this distillery now is a, a local gentleman, Mo, Morgan Weber, mm-hmm. uh, which if you've gone to Cultivari or Eighth Row Flint mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or Night Heroin, those are all places that he is involved with. Okay. And he found this distillery up in Georgia that had made a bunch of corn whiskey and... Uh, it had sat there because the owner of it apparently had some health issues, and nobody in his family wanted to have anything to do with the distillery. So it aged for four years just sitting in the barrel, sitting up there. I just have to apologize for the crinkling of the uh, of the plastic. <laughs> you are actually letting those glasses kick your butt. Damn, just time aged getting for these. four years. Uh, yes, that's it. already a head start. That's pretty nice, right? Okay, well, this was, this was the corn whiskey. So eventually Morgan made a deal to buy this corn whiskey that he was going to sell, 
And eventually it led to him actually, with his trust anyhow, purchasing the distillery up there. And once he purchased the distillery, he went up there and found that they had made a couple of uh, barrels of this peach brandy. Mm-hmm. And it was apparently from peaches that have, were damaged during a storm and couldn't be sold. Couldn't so be they, used for any other yeah, purpose. But yeah, but you can distill these you kind of things. Right? Yeah, right. You mash yeah. them and distill it. And he made this whiskey and it launched here in Houston about six weeks ago. Uh, and I just think it's an absolutely lovely so, brandy. So brandy this, is a categories are something that are made from fruit, but it can be any kind of fruit. Yeah, I will tell you that I, this is a category where I'm really afraid to shop. Because when it's, I it's a scary place when to I, shop. Actually. When I go to the aisle, I just don't know what I'm looking at, and and you know it's not like they're ridiculously pricey, although they can be, but they're pricey enough that it makes you like oh, I really don't want you to know make that a mistake part of here. the peach that's a little bit more bitter, and it's right next to right the next to the seed, right next to the seed. Mm-hmm. That is the interesting part of a peach to me and this tastes like that well it really does like this that is, is not, delicious this is not sweet peach one of the reasons that i'm a little bit hesitant with brandy is because i generally don't like the spirits that are sweeter I, I was waiting for you to say commitment issues but commitment okay, is yes <laughs> <laughs> well she's a fine girl don't don't get me wrong uh but uh no the the sweetness is sometimes off-putting to me this has none of those characteristics but the peach flavor is very, very present. And now, I have to say, too. this is marketed towards uh, uh, someone who likes, I think, probably more like a whiskey drinker kind of thing. Because, mm-hmm. again, it doesn't have that sweetness that that you instantly get and it's sticky and everything else. You know, it's, this is A lot of the fruit brandies that are made in the U.S. are a lot of sugar-added post-distillation. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're thinking of is those really right, heavy. Right, sugary, right, yes. Well, that's my experience in them. This is considered more of an eau de vie type brandy in that, yes, the original peaches had sugar, but once you distilled it, distill it, it removes all that sugar, mm-hmm. at least behind some of the peach flavor, but it's not the overly sweet. Even, yeah. yeah. See, it, what's interesting, to th- when I think about brandy, and I'm this way with, with cognacs and armagnacs as well to some extent. Which are brandies. Right. Yes. When you go into the bar and you're deciding what you want to drink that evening, it's very, very easy to pass over those and move, for me, yeah. right to the whiskey or the tequila, right? Um, well, this I would not be so I think, I think part of the problem is easy to pass over. I think over. we touched on it. Like he said, like a lot of them are sugar-added products, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. They're just not that, they're not that good because you end up with all the sugar, and then, of course, the headache that follows after that is mm-hmm. like just mm-hmm. brutal in the morning. Um, this right here, like it's peach-forward. And then it finishes more like a more like a whiskey, more like a whiskey, absolutely. And then the retrohale, like just the aftertaste. The retrohale is wonderful peach. It's absolutely, one. It's the best part of the peach. It's like the yes. peach right next to the skin, uh-huh. or right next to the uh, right next to the pit. Yep, that's the more interesting parts of the peach. It's no just, question. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Well, it's wow. I see. I don't know. This is and again one of the wonderful things about doing the show. I don't know if I would have ever. Taking a flyer on that at the store. I don't know if I ever would have said, With, "Let's see what this tastes without like." Without having that's tried terrific. this, this is even this is like this is even something where if I walked by it and they were ad- having samples, I'd probably be like meh, you right. know, and right. walk right by. But this is this is a really nice find. It really is, and and a great way to sort of put a wrap on the show because that's a that it, it's not it's certainly not a dessert beverage. 
but boy, is it a great no, closer. No, it drinks like a whiskey. It it's, drinks it's, like a whiskey. It's yeah. hard to even say. Like for me, it's hard to wrap my brain around the fact that it's actually a a brandy and say <laughs> it drinks like a whiskey. Mm. If you were to tell me it was peach whiskey, not that there is really such a thing. <laughs> no, there's but not. I, but, okay. but I would kind of believe you. You know well, what I mean? There's cinnamon whiskey. Yeah, but for the most part, that's awful. That's my job on the show is to, to see if I can incite those <laughs> moments of awkward silence. <laughs> for the most part, that's awful. Now, I will tell you, I bought. I was going to bring it on the show, and and I bought it and, and tried it at home first, and it was so like non-impressive, I ditched the idea of bringing it on the show, but it was a, a cinnamon rum. Because huh. I thought, you know, so we, we've, had some, not, maybe? we've had some flavored things on the show. And, you know, some of them have been, have been fairly decent. So I thought, we'll try this. And I tasted it at home, poured a little bit in the glass and tasted it. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not bringing that on the show. <laughs> but let me tell you, my wife has been making these banana smoothies, right? So what you do is you uh, cut the banana in, like, quarters. And you f- put them in a plastic bag and you freeze it, right? Sure. And then you put it in the blender with some almond milk and a few other things that she does. And you blend it up, and it's like a shake. Only it doesn't; it's not dairy based, and it doesn't have all the calories that a shake would have with ice cream. So she's been making these. I'm like, these are really good. I'm like, why don't you try some of this cinnamon rum in it? Because we've got this whole bottle here, and it's going for nowhere. health purposes. Oh my god, it's amazing! <laughs> yeah, because it's just it's just, so it's just one of those things like not meant to be consumed on nope, its own officer i'm but just pr- drinking a smoothie pretty darn good in the smoothie yeah <laughs> so for those of you who are uh, having the kale and you know quinoa smoothies i recommend some cinnamon rum be careful or uh, smoothie king's gonna hear you yeah <laughs> that would there'd be a line outside of smoothie king like you would not believe <laughs> 10 o'clock in the morning here we go a, a good friend of mine owns three of those smoothie kings here in town yeah, maybe, right. maybe i'll suggest it to him yeah uh, wade uh, the um the Texas Whiskey uh, Association that you're talking about, uh, that you talked to us about, uh, what are your goals with this, and and uh, what should people do if they are part of a Texas Whiskey and they want to be involved? Okay. Uh, we have a website launched. As an organization, we just selected our board last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have our first board meeting on October 9th. So there's a lot of things coming, mm-hmm. but due to trademarks being registered sure. some things i can't talk about but if you go to texaswhiskey.org there's an email where you can sign up okay. and as we launch future plans we will email you what they are what they are and what's going on with the, but, with the organization. Okay. Uh, hint uh, if you go to kentucky and you visit a lot of distilleries you're on the kentucky bourbon trail Hello, yes. So, mm. That's a wonderful mm. idea. That's a wonderful idea, yes, isn't it? Yes, it really if is. If only Texas had a trail. <laughs> yes, mm. wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> so that would be like a road trip. That's an, that's, yes, that's, that's, that would be that's a beautiful plan. road trip, wouldn't it? That'd that's be great. Land. Well, uh, Wade, uh, thank you for being on the show today. Uh, your blog is uh, Tater Talk with tater-talk.com. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. If you are into whiskey and on any level, it's a great thing to read. And just, I love how you're keeping them honest. And I think that's really important. And, he's uh, the judge dread of the association. He's the judge, jury, and executioner is what he is. He's, uh, he's got to go to See, I just geeked out for you. You did, and I enjoyed every moment of it. I just want you to know. Uh, So, uh, Wade, thank you so much for being on the show. We enjoyed this very much. 
Thank you. I love love being here. If you want to have me back, just let me know. All right. Well, I'm sure we can find something to drink if you return. Yes. And uh, we will we will plan to do that. Absolutely. Uh, want to remind you to grab your tickets for the whiskey sniff. They are, I'm told, going very fast. So uh, you'll want to grab them so you don't wind up uh, standing outside B and B going. I could have been up there. I haven't I bought a ticket yet. Yeah, well, you and I need to talk about that. Probably should, huh? You need to talk about that because you know. I'm so excited about that, by the way. You know, there's 50 uh, EP Carrillos. 48 (laughs) EP Carrillos. We want to thank everybody who's been involved with uh, getting us to 107 episodes because it uh, sure has been fun. And thanks to uh, Adam on the Wheels of Steel, our producer. Uh, I did mention this, but thanks to uh, Alan Denning and Christopher Hart for being our guest. Uh, last week, and thanks to our friends at B&B for sponsoring mm-hmm. the show. Uh, we will be back with you next week with uh, show number 108. Uh, Smokin' Mary is on the show next week. We'll be talking to the creator of the um, the Bloody Mary mix called Smokin' Mary, which is just, you know, I... I laugh because I told my wife they're talking about you, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, but it's a, it's a uh, it's a really good product. They're doing some amazing things, so we'll talk to them. And there's so much to talk about with the whiskey sniff. Uh, by next week's show, it'll be only a week away. So um, we're really excited about that. Wow, that's coming up fast. Yeah, it is coming up fast. Plus, uh, it is getting to be almost that time. Would you like for me, Ian, to present to you a list of the 21 best pumpkin beers in America? Are you bringing the 21 best pumpkin beers in America? <laughs> I'll collect as many of them as I can. How about now, we that? did a we did a pumpkin beer show. It was last fun. I loved the pumpkin fun. beer show. Yeah. But uh, uh, I don't know if I can find 21. But but pumpkin but, beers can be a little overpowering. Yes, they can. It can be a little much, but it is getting to be that time of the year. So My we, pumpkin favorite beers list is zero on it. But <laughs> I had a friend of mine, like after our last show, he sent me one of those memes, and it said, how to enjoy a pumpkin beer. And it simply had the first caption was popping the bottle, and the second caption was throwing it in <laughs> yeah. the garbage. So, no, it, there's no question. Well, this is why I asked, because there's no question. This is a divisive uh, yeah, thing yeah. in the beer community. So, All right, so we'll talk about that. And we also, um, I'm going to bring, we didn't get to it this week. I will bring it back next week. The Clown Shoes Pecan Pie Porter. I'm a little sad we didn't get to that, but yeah, no, next week, are. there it next is. Next week, it'll be coming up. Plus, we ran out of time for sampling the Mumford & Sons IPA. We'll get to that next week as well. Uh, in the meantime, have a wonderful uh, week, everybody. Thank you for smoking and toasting with us. Uh, thank you, Wade, for being on the program, and cheers, everybody. Let's have a wonderful week. <laughs> and this peach stuff is delicious. And we didn't get to the Divine Reserve either. Oh, man. Here, here, here you can keep that one. You have it later. <laughs> I gotta do my Willem Dafoe. (laughs) And I'll do my William Shatner. God! God!